Oh, another day, another day of uh, conversations with Paul Nielsen. Thank you so much for joining me. If you're coming back again, thanks so much. I mean, it means the world to me. And if you're just now listening for the first time, thanks so much for giving me a shot. It just oh, warms my heart. It really does. Thank you so much for for sticking there and, and giving me a shot there. I definitely, you know, subscribe to it. That way you'd ever miss an episode. I'm, I'm trying to do more episodes more often and I'd hate to have you miss one. Also go over to that Facebook page, Conversations with Paul Nielsen on Facebook and all the other socials and you'll be able to really keep up to date on, on those things that's going on with the podcast as well. So uh, thanks so much for, again for, for joining me. I'm your host, Paul Nielsen, you know, because I'm my name's on the on the title of the podcast, so thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> oh my, oh my, it's such a, a great day. Uh, been such a, an amazing week, an amazing day, and always try to keep a positive attitude and always try to keep a, an outlook of what's, you know, what's good. I love that, that greeting uh, that some people will say, hey, what's good? You know, what's good? That, that's such a, an amazing greeting. Um, I think it's so much better than, hey, how are you? Um, but what's good? You know, what's good with you? I love that. A positive attitude. And it's not to say that sometimes we have shitty days, because sometimes we do have fucked up shitty days. And during those times, I really think it's just, you know, it's great just to have perspective. So um, in my job, I, I supervise people. And uh, I recently had uh, an agent that just said, you know, it's just pointless to do this. I, I just can't meet the goals. It's just pointless. And, and those type of days are, are really tough, and not only for that particular person, but it's it's tough for me too because I know it's not pointless, and I know they're working as hard as they can. And all I can say is, like, look, it's not pointless. Sometimes we have throwaway days, and it's okay to have those. You know, as long as we have more good days than bad days, then <laughs> then we're doing okay. You know, so it's not pointless, and that's something that. I think we all feel from time to time that, man, this is just fucking pointless. My job is pointless. My, my, my career's not going where it needs to go. My, my, my home life isn't great. I've got all these issues. My, my car's broke down. My water heater in my house just broke. And whatever it may be. And, man, this is just pointless to keep trying as hard as I can. And I'm not, just get, I'm not getting anywhere. And uh, I think it's good to have that same perspective of, hey, you know what? It's okay to have bad days. It's okay to have shitty times. It's what we do after that. You know, it's okay to have throwaway days. It really is. As long as we have, you know, more good days than throwaway days, then we're doing okay. We're really doing okay. It is so much in, in the realm of perspective. We've got to have a good perspective and knowing that, yeah, today's a shitty day, but tomorrow, tomorrow may be better. You know, when people ask me, hey, Paul, do you see the glass half full or, or do you see it half empty? And I don't see it either way. I, I really don't. I don't see the glass being half full or half empty because it doesn't fucking matter. What matters is that that glass is refillable. Drink it. Enjoy it. Give yourself the life of sustenance and hydration and then go fill that bitch back up. Fill it back up. Draw from the well and fill that glass back up, man, because that... That's what really keeps us going is knowing that the glass doesn't have to be half empty. It doesn't have to be half full. It is refillable. It is reusable. It's refillable. Just get another glass. Just refill it back up, man. Ah, it's perspective, right? Right? 
I mean, it, it, I know last time, last week that we we talked about, or the last episode we talked about, you know, the whole friend zone thing, and whether we value a a relationship over the relationship, and you know, sometimes it sucks because you really want a, a romantic relationship with somebody, and uh, they're just not feeling it. No, you know, the the uh, the perspective or the expectations of that relationship are different. And you know, the friendships are great, but what if it goes the other way, right? What if it goes the other way? What if both parties feel that romantic relationship and want to explore that? Where does that go? You know, what is that like? And, and falling in love and, and being in love is, is just a fucking weird thing, right? It is such a weird thing because we become so obsessive and so compulsive about that one person. It, even if we're not like an obsessive person. I mean, I'm very much not an obsessive person. I try to keep very even keel with many, many things. Very balanced. Try to keep very balanced. Not to go to the extreme on one thing or another. You know, for me, being balanced is what's really is really where where you you have the most out of life. Now you could be passionate about things and you can do things that you feel passionate about, but to to be obsessive about it, I think is where where people kind of go wrong a little bit. Maybe not so much wrong, but you know, it's when you become obsessive and it, it, you you your your whole life revolves around that one thing. You know, it, where it really takes your whole identity becomes that. I I mean People do that, and that could be anything from like religion to cars to music to art to all of these different things and all really cool things, but I think if it becomes too overwhelmingly one thing and your, your identity becomes that, then, then there's an issue there. You need to balance their stuff out a little bit. Go explore something else. You know, maybe some other hobbies or, or some other things that you may be interested in and kind of round that out. I think that's so important. But it's weird that when we're in love or when we're falling in love, that's <laughs> that's what we do. We just obsess about a person. We're thinking about them. We're always wanting to talk to them. We always want to be around them. We want them around us. We want to be around them. And it is weird to think that even though we're, we may not be that person that it obsesses about things, it, it happens. So I got curious about it. I got curious about what that means to fall in love. And honestly, it's, it's very much a, a chemical reaction in our brain, but, uh, it, it, I found that there's, there is a little bit of, you know, of the heart that goes into this. You know, there's been studies that show that the feelings that we have in our brain and the chemical reactions in our brain sometimes are affected by the way our heart pumps. You know, when we are, when we're with somebody that's special that we like and and we want to have that romantic relationship, our heart quickens, our our pulse quickens, and we get a little more flushed. And those are all things that that are that are happening in our heart and in our bloodstream and in our pulse and things. But it also translates to the chemical releases in, in our brains. What I found really kind of interesting, really, was that <laughs> it's weird, but uh, they did a study um, because most people, I mean, when we become like infatuated with somebody, we become pretty obsessive and compulsive about them. Um, and I'm not talking about like in a bad way where we're going to go and stalk them because that, I mean, that's going way too far. But you know, the normal type of obsession that we have with that person. Because we just want to get to know them and be around them, they they did a study where they took people that have OCD, uh, you know, obsession uh, compulsive disorder, and they drew blood, and they found that the serotonin levels in their bloodstream 
were, were less. And then they, they found somebody, they found people that were infatuated and falling in love, and they drew their blood. And the weird thing is, is that they found the same, uh, pretty much the same serotonin levels in their bloodstream that caused them to be obsessive and compulsive and things. Now, the difference is, is that when you're falling in love with somebody after a little bit, those serotonin levels in the bloodstream equal out and they return back to normal. But in those beginning stages, it, we, we become obsessive and compulsive because our serotonin levels are off in our bloodstream, which is fucking weird. But our bodies do weird things when we do these things. You know, so it's, it's one of those weird, weird ass things um, as far as developing that relationship. And then I thought, well, I mean, if it's really just kind of a chemical makeup in our brains and that's um, kind of what happens and, you know, we, we kind of obsess about those things, um, can, can we like recreate that with, I don't know, with, uh, with science? You would think that we could. And uh, I came across a, a, a TED Talk because I love TED Talks. TED Talks are amazing. Came across a TED Talk th that was given by Mandy Lencontron and it is an amazing thing. Um, now she's got a couple of them on there, but the one that that I that I really enjoyed that kind of fit with what I wanted to talk about was the one about falling in love and the study that happened with uh, Arthur Aaron. Well, he, Arthur Aaron did the study, and she kind of was going through a breakup and, and decided that she didn't want to leave it on her own and to fall in love again. But she wanted to, you know, turn to science because you know science. Why not? You know, there's got to be some sort of truth and got to be some sort of, you know, things there that uh, can help us fall in love and understand it a little better. And uh, what <clears throat> the psychologist Aaron Arthur or Arthur Aaron uh, did is he he actually succeeded in making two strangers kind of fall in love in a laboratory, which was <laughs> really weird to think about that you can create an environment where people will fall in love. Now, he didn't really create an environment where people fell in love. I mean, come on, let's let's face it. This was a laboratory, probably very cold, probably just benches and chairs and, and tables and things where they were able to do different experiments, um, like social experiments, to, to see um, how people fell in love and 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 different things along those lines. Um, so, I mean, it's not the, like the most romantic relationship starting-wise, but um, the, what uh, Mandy was talking about is that there was a couple that actually fell in love and got married, and they invited everybody that was in that study or in that laboratory to the wedding. And she got curious about this, and so she went and looked up that study. And uh, as, 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 as I did after I learned about this, and um, essentially what it was, was a, a series of questions. There are, what, 30, I want to say 36 questions that were asked of these couples. Um, and some of these people didn't know each other. Some of them did. Um, but there were, yeah, 36 questions that uh, the couples asked each other. And, and they progressively got more personal from the beginning question, like the first question. I, and again, I looked up this study and I wanted to learn about it. And I wanted to know what those questions were, because I think it would be quite interesting to do that with somebody and, and see kind of what happens. Now, <clears throat> does that mean that, that we're going to fall in love? Probably not. But what the study does is that it's really kind of designed to develop 
closer, more intimate, more vulnerable and authentic relationships with between two people. Now, again, these questions, they, they get more and more personal and more and more um, uh, vulnerable, makes you more and more vulnerable with each other um, in, in, in asking these questions. Like the first question here is, given the choice of anyone in the world, whom would you want to have as a dinner guest? You know, pretty, pretty simple question. You know, very non-invasive, very non, you know, it's basic, basic get to know you type of questions. But then they get progressively more, you know, uh, more, more intimate. Like uh, number 12 was if you could wake up tomorrow having gained any one quality or ability, what would it be? I mean, that question really makes you self-reflect on, on, on yourself and, and really understand what type of gain uh, what type of quality you would want to have or the ability you would want to have, you know? Um, and then again, it just keeps getting progressively, you know, more, more intimate, like question 24. Um, how do you feel about your relationship with your mother? I mean, that's a pretty, pretty intense question, you know, asking about your, I mean, and again, this is the first time that these people have met each other and you're asking about your relationships with your mother. Uh, it's, pretty, pretty deep and intense. And then, you know, it, it, it comes down to really, you know, being, being intimate and, and being, you know, just yourself. And again, these questions get, you know, even more intense. Question 30, when did you last cry in front of a, another person or by yourself? I mean, and those are really, really intimate type of questions to be asking somebody. So it is, it's weird. So, and then after you ask these questions, what you're supposed to do is just look into each other's eyes for four minutes. And, and that, I guess that's supposed to just solidify that relationship and create that intimacy. And you're not supposed to talk. You're just supposed to just stare in each other's eyes. Really kind of interesting stuff. Um, so this, uh, the speaker of Ted talk is she, she, did this with a an acquaintance and a, and a like a and not a great friend but a friend that she had while in college and or university and they fell in love and she wrote an article and it's in the New York Times and you can you can still go and find that article um, uh, on on the interwebs on the internet um, and I read the article and it's it's pretty uh, it's a pretty cool article I mean honestly um, the article is called uh, to fall in love with anybody do this. You know, and it's it's her article. So if you want to go and take a look at that, that's that's fantastic. Uh, go and do that. Uh, so it's it's one of those things that can we really manufacture love and and have somebody um, love us through these questions? <clears throat> and it's not like this love potion or anything like that. These um, these things that our movies are made out of and things. But what we're able to do is learn about each other. And I think these questions really just you know, accelerate our intimacy. So what is really falling in love then? I, I believe the reason why these questions can accelerate falling in love with somebody or at least deepening their strength or deepening or strengthening their relationship is because we're, we're forced to be more open and be more authentic with each other. So maybe that, maybe that is the, the secret to developing great relationships is being int uh, intimate in a way that is vulnerable and you being authentic and being genuine and not being afraid to, to share some of these deeper things 
maybe that's kind of what what it is, is that we've got to go deep. And, and sometimes I think the going deep takes months, sometimes years for us. But if we can cut through the, the surface level bullshit and get deep early and continue to do that and continue to learn about it, our, our partners, you know, every day, and then maybe that's the key. You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I don't know how it works. This is just stuff that I was curious about and wanted to learn about. Um, but it is something that is really interesting now and, and just kind of learning and, and uh, reading and watching these different talks and, and reading these different studies. Maybe that's the key is really to develop good, authentic, deep, interpersonal relationships to fall in love and keep our, our serotonin levels you know, low in our bloodstream. So we obsess about them. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's, but it's, it's interesting to me. So I, I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to find a friend that is willing to do this and see not, not for the purpose of like falling in love with them, but I want to see if this, this study actually does provide greater strengthening, uh, strengthening of relationships and more intimate relationships and more authentic relationships. Because Regardless whether you're friend zoned or you're having a romantic relationship, I think it is important that we have deep relationships. And isn't a romantic relationship really just an extension of a deep friendship where you feel like you may want to spend the rest of your life with that person and see where it goes? I mean, really, isn't that what it is? But who, do, who what do I know? I mean, I've had no successful relationships. I mean, everything's been, has ended the way, you know, as far as like a breakup goes. But, you know, here's the deal. Every relationship ends that way except for one. So, I mean, I can't fault for myself for that. I, I'll just keep looking and keep doing what I'm doing. And, and if somebody special comes in my life, then so be it. We'll do that. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's definitely interesting. Go check out that study and go check out those TED Talks and uh, you, you'll, Hopefully you enjoyed it just as much as I did. So falling in love, I guess, can be manufactured. Maybe, just maybe, if we're both willing and both uh, having some sort of willingness to try it out and being open to it. But we'll see. And until next time, thanks for listening. Be kind. Be well. Be well.